Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 149. Let us all rise for the reading of God's holy word. In unison, praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. Sing the doxology with me. creator and so we rejoice in him as such but then it goes further it says let the children of zion that's the kingdom of god under the old testament be joyful in their king because not only is he our creator he is our adoptive father and king who delivered us out of the palace of the strong man by sending his son the stronger man to deliver us and so as the children of zion Separate from all the other children of wrath that populate this planet, we should be joyful in our king. Let us praise his name in the dance. Old Testament description of worship, which Miriam led the nation of Israel in on the shores of the Red Sea as the waterlogged bodies of the Egyptians floated to shore. That's what the Bible tells us. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. And she and the ladies of Israel took up the timbrel and danced around dead bodies because that is a godly woman. 
These little effeminate women and effeminate men that populate our world today and fill the pulpits and churches that call themselves Christians wouldn't even understand a psalm like this. They wouldn't even read a psalm like this. And if they read it, it would just be a part of their liturgy. They wouldn't know what it meant, nor would they ever try to apply it. And what we want to give God exactly what the written Word of God tells us. Because if you were paying attention to what you read, it says that we are to be executing judgment upon those that are the enemies of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, according as it is written. Did you see the judgment written in the last verse of this psalm? Which we'll get to in just a moment. Look at verse 4. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, it's all capital letters, taketh pleasure in His people. God delights in His adopted children. God delights in His saints. God delights in the children of Zion. God delights in the congregation of saints that comes together to worship Him. The Lord taketh pleasure in us. And I want to give Him that pleasure. And I don't want to shortchange Him that pleasure today. I want us to be reverent. I want us to be full of godly fear. And I want us to be full of joy. You may have thought that our brother's passage that he read from Deuteronomy 28 was kind of harsh. It is kind of harsh. Because God gets angry if you're not happy. Amen. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. He's God, and we're on earth, and the way He's blessed us, it makes perfectly good sense. Amen. It's an order. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. Because He takes pleasure in us. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Does that mean we have to be meek in order to be saved? Or is the description of the saved include meekness and those meekness, those that are meek, he pours out his salvation toward them. He'll beautify us with his salvation. He'll keep right on saving us as we show the meekness that he's taught us. Look at verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. God has poured out glory and honor upon his people. He has poured out glory and honor upon us. You can compare any generation of Israel that you wish we're more blessed than they and because he's given us glory we should be using that glory to be joyful to him we should be singing aloud upon our beds the time when you may be thinking of sleep or you're tired but still the Lord's been so good to us upon our beds we should be singing aloud let the high praises of God be in their mouth Not the low praises, not the average praises, not the typical praises, not the politically correct praises, not the ordinary praises, and not the praises of a praise band. Let the praises of the saints of the Lord be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand. Now, verse 6 is quite a combination, isn't it, of a couple clauses. Verse 6, let the high praises of God be here, and that's what we have right now, and a two-edged sword in their hand, Because today is to try to convict you of the importance of kingdom service. What are you doing to worship God and serve His kingdom? And I'll try to explain what I mean by that. I will try to explain the priority that it ought to be in your lives. But notice, there is work to be done, not just praise to be given. While we've got praise to give from our mouths, there ought to be a two-edged sword in our hands. Now, our judgment is different than Israel's judgment. Israel was given a piece of ground that they were to annihilate 
every inhabitant that lived there, and they were to take their houses and live in them and use them. And they were to drink water from their wells and pick grapes and make wine from their vineyards. The Bible says all that. The Canaanites had forfeited their right to life. The right to life. God annihilated them by His people Israel. We don't have that. We have a responsibility for this property right here. And it's not this building, and it's not what Greenville County measures as our real estate assets or our real property. Our real property is the congregation of saints that make up the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that worship Him, and it is our duty toward that body to have a two-edged sword in our hands. Because every one of you, and I am addressing the men particularly, have been challenged six weeks ago by your pastor to be keepers of this kingdom. And that means that one edge of that sword is for men sitting in this assembly right now. In an informal, private way of judgment. And the other edge of that sword is what we'll do publicly as we exclude them from this body, which we have done in the past and we will do in the future. Because we are going to make the worship of God glorious. And strange children don't make it glorious. They are a stench to us, and they are a stench to God. Not everyone that says that they love God truly love Him. You can measure it by their lives, by their actions, and by their words. You can measure it by their zeal for the worship of God. And so we have a New Testament application for the 149th Psalm that we should not forget. And to execute upon them the judgment that is written, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 18. Of course no one else does it. Of course I sound like a Neanderthal anachronism that doesn't belong in the 21st century. Because no one follows the Bible anymore. But we're going to follow the Bible. And we're going to praise the Lord when we end the psalm because it says, Praise ye the Lord. And we're going to praise the Lord when we open the psalm because it says, Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah is what praise ye the Lord is in Hebrew. Hallelujah. Praise to Jehovah. He is our God. And let us worship Him. Let us rejoice in Him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their King. He is our King. He has saved us. He has eternal heaven waiting for us. He has an inheritance that will stagger your imagination because it's incapable of gathering in all that He has for us. He is going to give us an abundant entrance into that kingdom one day very soon. Let's worship Him with all our might. Let's defend His kingdom. And let's worship our King. May the Lord bless Psalm 149 to His worship and our prophet. Amen. We want to listen carefully to the reading of God's Word now. From a number of our brothers. I'd like to ask for these young men to come in this order and read the passages of Scripture for our edification and preparation for what our brother will speak to us in a few moments. Brother Daniel Jones, followed by Brother Chris Carnell, Jonathan Crosby, and Shane Kirkland. If you young men would like to come in that order and lead us in reading God's Word. We serve a great king. Let's read about him. Revelation 1, if you'd like to turn there. 
Revelation 1, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars of the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Amen. Amen. Please turn to Matthew 21, starting at verse 33. Here is a serious parable that the Lord spoke to the wicked men of his generation. Here, another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said and saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, 
the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in Matthew chapter 22 for another parable. The first 14 verses. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together, all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. Turn a few pages over to Matthew 6. I'll be starting in verse 24, going to the end of the chapter. This passage declares that no man can serve no two masters, right. and that the kingdom of God and his righteousness shall be priority in our life, Amen. regardless of of what is in our life at the time. Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your other body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, 
neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whether we all shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. Amen.